This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Good morning. It is extremely good to be here today. Um, I had a fast and furious, me and my family had a fast and furious trip down to Houston um, to be at a funeral that we needed to be at, and then also to see a new grandchild. So I saw what the Lord does. He gives and he takes away according to his will. But um, it still was a blessing uh, to be down there and traveling. We got back in about 10 o'clock last night. And Pat, I appreciate the prayer very much because uh, if any of you know me very well, you know I'm not a real fast thinker. So any fluidity of thought this morning that is smooth will definitely be from the Lord and not from me. Uh, as we uh, lean upon Him for His truths and, and wisdom and also even in delivery this morning. I want to turn your attention to Hebrews chapter 12 as we uh, begin our study this morning. And we're going to look at primarily the first part of Hebrews 12, and we're going to look back in Hebrews 11 some. But read with me in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And we'll continue and read these other verses here uh, later. But I want to get started this morning by just considering uh, some thoughts that are expressed and very well articulated, I might add, uh, by the writer here of Hebrews. Hebrews is a fascinating book to me. I just absolutely love it. And I'm not probably the best well studied in it. I'm still working on it. But Hebrews is fascinating. It just is so revealing of so much as we study it. And it brings to light uh, much of the Old Testament. Uh, I was visiting with David as we were beginning this morning or before services. And uh, to look at, at Hebrews is really a short synopsis of really what it was all about in the Old Testament. And it's fascinating. And what it does, uh, how it comes full circle in Christ today. So I want to dig into this a little bit. I, for lack of a better title, have titled it one of two things. <laughs> Can you hear their witness? That'd be one. And number two, what is your witness? So I guess really probably it's just a long title with two sentences. But what is your witness? We want to consider that this morning. And uh, oftentimes we hear uh, some of in the religious world, talk about being a witness for Jesus or a witness for something, right? And it's generally been used in a way that I don't know why. My, my culture growing up, we've kind of been turned off from that and we don't use that terminology much. But I got to looking at this and looking at Hebrews 12 and then going back and looking at Hebrews 11 and the way it's used oftentimes is exactly right. It's exactly what is talked about here in Hebrews. And so I, I, first of all, would encourage you to not be afraid to use it because we need to be a witness for the Lord and for the truth. But let's, let's start dissecting it a little bit. Hebrews 12, that we just read, 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. This already strikes my attention when I am studying it. The word compassed. I think of, first of all, a compass, right? It's circular and it shows north, south, east, and west all around us, right? Well, this word really is, it kind of gives that same idea. It literally means all around us or encompassed, we might use today, okay? So he's saying we also are encompassed or surrounded by this next part, a great cloud of witnesses. This word cloud is just what you might think of as the word cloud. When you look up in the sky, you see a cloud. Or you might bring it down to earth and think a very dense fog. It's just dense and thick all around you, right? So he is saying, literally, that we have surrounded, we are surrounded by this cloud, a very thick, dense, if you will, uh, population of witnesses. Look at the next word. Witnesses. This word witness. We know what witness is used for when we go to a court of law or, or maybe in a TV show you've seen it, but someone will take the stand and they are witnessing to something they saw or something they heard. They are a witness that's going to testify as to the truth or not of a given situation in a court of law. And that literally is the meaning of this word. A witness in a spiritual sense or biblical sense, it's talking about speaking, uh, uh, testifying or being a witness to the truth that has happened. Okay? So let, I just want to get that in our heads so as we go back and look at this in Hebrews 11, we understand that that's what these men and women that are presented here in Hebrews 11 are doing. That's exactly what they're doing. Um, we're surrounded about with a great cloud of witnesses. That means there's a lot of them, right? They're all around us, or at least the writer's saying that, and of witnesses, okay? Now, let's go back to chapter 11, and we'll come back to chapter 12 here in a moment, and we'll finish up with verses 2 to 4. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Speaking of faith, we often call this chapter, I've heard it many times, the Hall of Faith, you know, as opposed to Hall of Fame, but it probably ought to be fame <laughs> in some respects. You look at Hebrews chapter 11, and it's just an example after an example after example of great men and women of faith that we look up to. Today, I do. I look up to them, I, I uh, read about them, and just am in awe. I'm in awe over Abraham, <laughs> who gets called from his country, and there's some historic writings, and maybe it's some of it's the Talmud. It's been so long since I looked at it, I can't remember for sure. But equates uh, Abraham's family as being idol worshipers. In fact, idol makers. Now, I don't know if that's true, because the Bible doesn't reveal that to us. But if that's true, and that's what he comes from, and God has called him out, Abraham is looking for the true God, the living God. And God calls him out, and by faith, he just takes off. <laughs> and he's just trusting this God that nobody else seemingly even understands or believes. And Abraham takes off. I'm amazed by that kind of faith. 
He travels, he sojourns, the Bible says, by faith. He doesn't even know where he's going. He's just trusting God and obeying. Let's look at some examples. I've already told you about Abraham, but let's start in verse 2. Excuse me, verse 4. By faith. Now, I do want you to pick up the element of faith in this all along, okay? By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained, there's that word, witness. Yes, it's the same word. And listen, as we continue reading, witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. A couple of things here. He received witness. How? It says God testified of who he was and what he was and, and, and why his sacrifice was acceptable. And then he says, he's, he's now dead. Abel's not alive today. He's not alive when this was written. Abel's dead, yet he speaks today. What speaks about Abel? His faith, his testimony of who he was and who he was serving. His seeking after righteousness to, to follow after a true and living God. And even though he's dead, his testimony still stands. Now I want you to just ponder on that for just a moment because we're going to get more into that when it comes to our testimony or maybe those that's gone on before us and their testimony. Even though they're dead and gone, they can speak. Their lives speak to us. Their events, their faith speaks to us. Okay, let's go on. It goes on through, through chapter 11. There's Enoch. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. There's that word again. Witness. Testimony. He is presenting who he is by default. And what does it say? That he pleased God. You know what his testimony was? That he pleased God. Oh, to have that testimony of my life. <laughs> For people to remember my life or anything that I may leave behind that's beneficial to be said of me, he pleased God. That is powerful. It's just powerful. That was Enoch. He was so pleasing to God that he didn't even have to face death. He just, as I've said to my kids all along as we would study this and read it, he just walked right into heaven. He walked with God. And he pleased God. What a testimony. Then we go on, uh, verse 6, quickly. I just want to inject this. Because he injects it. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what was it about Enoch that pleased God? It was his faith. The fact that he followed God. He obeyed God. And he pleased God as a result. Okay, then it goes on. It talks about several different people. And I'm not going to read this whole chapter. But I want you to take note. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not, as, not seen as yet, 
moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. That was Noah. Does he have a testimony today? Is it still living even though Noah's dead and gone? Absolutely. Verse 8, I talked a little about Abraham, but it brings up, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place, which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. This guy didn't know where he was going. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'd be questioning. I would want to challenge that. It's just my kind of my nature, I guess. And I don't know if I'm just going to uproot everything and follow. That's faith. I mean, he knew that he knew that he knew that this was God, the living God, that other people are denying or, or resisting and not following after. Here's Abraham setting a great example before us. He brings up Sarah. Uh, look at verse 10 real quick. You see, we're, we're reading over here in the New Testament, right? Christ has already died. The new covenant's been given. We on this side of the cross are looking back to the cross, right? We look back to the cross to see our salvation, to see what Christ did for us and for me. But these guys, they were before the cross. They're looking forward. Now look at verse 10. This is speaking of Abraham. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You know, sometimes I don't think we really get it just reading, (coughs) pardon me, just reading through the Old Testament and reading these stories. They're not just stories. I I don't even like that word because it sounds like a fake fairy tale or something that we're reading our kids. These are happenings of real people that lived and walked and existed. And then they are walking and living and existing by faith, these that we're reading about, following after God. And they're looking for something in the future. I'll present to you that that's the cross. The same thing we look back to, they were looking forward to. Okay? And so we see some evidence here that Abraham understood some things. While maybe not fully, looking back, we have an advantage. and We get to see things a little clearer, I think, looking back. But Abraham is looking for this city whose maker and whose builder is God. You know, he, he's wandering around trusting God for his existence, really, and where he's going to be, where he's going to live. But his real trust was not in what land he was promised in. His real faith and real trust was in what God has prepared for him for eternity. He understood something about that. And it goes much deeper than just the physical. Okay. Verse 13. He's mentioned several at this point. He says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, You see, they haven't received them yet, right? They're still waiting on an event to happen that they might receive those blessings and were persuaded of them, believed them, and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We're only strangers. We're only pilgrims. That was their testimony. That's what they said. 
That's how they lived their lives. They were looking for what was to come, not the physical here and now, okay? And verse 14, For they that say such, they say that they're strangers and pilgrims on the earth, for they that say such things declare plainly that they are seeking a country. They're seeking something else, okay? And this is true of all them, from Abel all the way to Abraham here at this point. Now, verse 17. We see examples of, of Abraham's faith in, in, a, in several things. He mentions a few. Uh, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Okay? And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. The promise of what was to come was through his son. And Abraham understood some of this. Again, maybe not in great detail, but he knew it was coming through his son. And yet he offered up his son because that's what the Lord told him to do, testing him. And he's willing to do it knowing that God could bring him back to life. God can do whatever he wants to do with this. So I'm trusting God. That's incredible faith to me. Okay. So, Lynn, Lynn, let's move a little further. In verse 20, he talks about the faith of Isaac. 21, Jacob. 22, Joseph. 23, Moses' parents. You don't think about that a lot. We think about the main characters. Again, I'm using terminology I don't like. But we, we think about these main, you know, Moses was big in our minds, Right? But he talks about the faith of Moses' parents. So it's reaching out a little beyond what, what maybe we're used to looking at. And then he talks about Moses in verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Listen to this. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. A season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasure in heaven. They just said, right here, uh, the writer here says that Moses chose to, chose to um, side, if you will, I'm going to use my words, with the children of Israel, his brothers, right? Esteeming, let's see how to say it, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He, he was staying in Pharaoh's palace. He had all the riches, all the amenities of life, whatever that was that he was offered at that time. But he chose rather to suffer. And you know the rest of the story, how he, by God's leading, went and led the children of Israel out of Egypt, okay? But interesting, he understood a little something, didn't he? It'll be better to take the reproach of Christ or to esteem that better than the riches in Egypt. Now, when you're reading the story back in the Old Testament, you don't, see, I mean, you can see it. You can see the shadows of it and things like that. But you don't see Christ called out. But the book of Hebrews here calls him out on it. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but mentions Christ. And Moses' thought process, there was something bigger and better you see, in the future. Okay. Verse 27, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
You see, his vision and his faith was in something far bigger than the here and now, the physical, okay? Now, let's go on. We'll skip through some more. Verse 30, he mentions Joshua. He mentions Rahab. Uh, verse 30, verse 32. What shall I say more? Now he's mentioned all these examples to, to look, to have us or cause us to look back at these people of faith. And it's a call to faith, okay? But then in ver verse 32, What shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak uh, and of Samson and of Jephthah of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. <coughs> he just quickly, real quickly, just named a bunch more, right? He's talking about all these people who had faith. Now listen to what verse 33 says. Who, referring back to all of these, through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions... Accounting, oop, got on the wrong spot. Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better, a better resurrection. I'm going to get these words out. Okay. So, all of these people went through all of these kind of things. Verse 36, And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. <coughs> I don't know about you, but I read verses like this, and I, I, I look at these people of the Old Testament, and then I read verses like this of what they went through for what they believed in, okay? And I look at that and I go, that is so far beyond anything I've ever experienced and will likely experience, at least in this country, at least for now. <laughs> we don't know where it's going. But I look at that and see the faith that these people had and what they went through, and I'm like, I call myself a strong Christian, do I? Well, I don't know, maybe not. But I think sometimes we do, and then I look at their lives and I go, I'm not even worthy to be listed on that with them. It's amazing. That is incredible faith to go to those links to stand for a God that you know is true in a world that preaches He's not. What great Incredible examples. But then I look at verse 37. You know, they list all these things that they went to, and these are the type of people that we are to be, that we're called to be. Verse 37, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. I mean, there's some more. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute and afflicted, tormented. Hmm. There's just a bunch more. But I want you to notice a couple things in there. It's almost like a lifeline. 
to me because the question is just screaming at me. Does our lives matter like their lives matter? Does our faith count like their faith counted? And here in verse 37 it says they were tempted. Think about that for a second. I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Aren't you? There's a section in here that in the best of times that man could live in, which is probably ours as far as a persecution standpoint and things of that nature, you and I can relate to that. But he doesn't leave us out of this. They, some of these were tempted. We are too. Um, being destitute. Being without. You know, I've, I've had some time since my heart business the last couple of years where money's really tight. <laughs> Work is tight. Now, I wouldn't put myself in the destitute situation yet. But, you know, it's a real thing in our society. There are people that are destitute. There are people that are without. So it's a real thing. Even in our culture today, this can apply. So I want you to grab a hold of this and pay attention because it's really going to become important here in a little bit, and especially on the tempted part because that's something that's universal. We all deal with that. Whether you were going through these kind of uh, persecutions or not, you're still tempted. We all are. Verse 39, and these, all these that he's mentioned, all the way from Adam, including uh, verse 32, where he mentions just several. Listen, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. Now, that's exciting to me if you really give that some thought. The fact that they were looking forward to something in the future that was coming that God had promised them clearly, they knew there's more than just the here and now. They were living for what was to come, not for the now. And that was before Christ. And their faith is what led them to do that. Their extreme belief and trust in a God that they could follow and believe in. Knowing that a better country is coming. Knowing that a better place is, is going to be provided for them. And then God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. You see, they weren't going to receive it without us. But I'm going to tell you something else. We're not going to receive it without them. And it all points back to the cross. At what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. He truly did from one end of time to the other end of time save mankind if they will but call on Him. By faith, obey Him to walk in His steps, to be people such as this. But I also want to add that we'll be so determined that we're going to work on those temptations. <laughs> We're going to work on those things that so easily beset us, right? Look, skip back into verse 12. 
We're going to read this again. Uh, not verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, all of these people have testified to their life, right? Th to their lives. They have testified to their faith and to the truth in a God that is so much bigger and has bigger plans for all of us, okay? Cloud of witnesses. So then he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. I don't know about you, but sin does easily beset us. It just is incredible. I, I cannot name the number of times that I have found myself in a situation that I have succumbed to the temptation and afterwards go, what in the world? What just happened? Why did I even do that or say that or, or act like that or whatever? You know, name your sin. It easily besets us, these temptations. And so it's real. I don't know about you. I think I know about you. <laughs> but I deal with very real temptations in this life. And it could be from what we call little temptations or sins to big temptations or sins. It could be anything. Because I'm going to tell you something. We're human and in the flesh and there's not a one of us above any of it. And I will add that pride will <laughs> stand in the way and walk us right to it. It's a big deal, and he makes a big deal of it right here. So he says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. That word patience means endurance. Go the distance. Endure. Whether it's persecutions, whether it's temptation, whether it's destitution, whatever it is, go the distance, persevere. He is encouraging us here. There's so much more we could talk about, but I want to try to stay on task because I will take rabbit holes big time. <laughs> Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He equates this to a race, right? Do you remember racing? When you were young, maybe? I remember being in elementary school, probably about the third or fourth grade, and I was in a race, and I think it was a 50-yard dash is what I'm remembering. I think they do it in meters now, but, you know, it used to be in yards. And I was running, and I was running. Look, I was a little bitty guy, little bitty guy, but I was fast. It doesn't look like it today, but I was fast. And I could run, and I had this guy beat and several others behind him, but we were running pretty close, but I was ahead of him. I was winning. And I was leaning into it so much that I went head over heels. I mean, I just flipped. I don't know how many times I rolled. And he passed me up and won. The defeat. We hear the agony of defeat. Well, for a fourth grader, it was a big deal to me. I wanted that ribbon, right? I had him. Let me tell you something. He equates our life to a race. And it is, but it's not that kind of race. <laughs> it's not like let's rush to get there or let's see if we can outdo each other and that type of thing. It's a personal 
race. It's an endurance is what he's speaking of. To stay in it. To stay in the race. Don't quit. If you fall down, get back up and, and go and finish the race. That's what we're called to here. So let's, let's read it again with that in mind. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. And how are we going to do that? I don't know, but when you're in a race, typically you've got your eye on the goal, right? You're, you're running after that, that finish line or whatever it is that you're seeing. He gives us the answer to the next verse. We're going to keep our eyes on something or someone. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay? Who for the joy that was set before him endured, persevered, okay, the cross, despising the shame of it, and he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had his eyes on the goal, if you will, and he persevered, and he did that for you, and he did that for me. That's what Jesus did. He sacrificed himself for us. He took on our sins on the cross of Calvary. I cannot even imagine what that burden must have been like. Emotional and otherwise. But he did that for you. He kept his eye on the prize because the prize was us. <laughs> it was us and eternity. It was the gift that he is offering Every one of us. Okay? And so verse 3 kind of continues it. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Consider who? Jesus. We're referring back to Jesus. Keep him in mind as you're walking in life, as you're dealing with troubles. See things through the prism, if you will, of the cross. Of what the cross did and what it means to you. And let it encourage you that you can finish this race too. In fact, verse 4, he essentially says just that. He says, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That verse hit me, I don't know, 20 years ago or something, and I finally, my eyes just kind of went open. I went, man, that is saying a lot in that verse. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood. Now, he just listed... All of these witnesses, right? And some of them went through great persecutions and all kinds of things for their faith. And they just went through all of this and they gave their lives for it. Many of them. They literally gave their lives for their faith. And then I read this again in verse 4. Ye, have, ye the listeners to who he's speaking to, ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. Our, if we're breathing and we're alive right now, we're not finished. We're not finished. I'm 60 years old 
today, or not, not today, for the last six months. <laughs> but I am 60 years old. I have lived this life for 60 years. Essentially, I mean, for the most part, raised in the church. I understood right from wrong. I understood all that. And I'm going to tell you today, I'm tempted by sin. I'm tempted by, I have temptations. That's probably the way to say it. Sin is ever before us. Now, I don't know if you can honestly say it's not before you. I guess congratulations. Because <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't know what else to say because I still deal with it. And I'm just being, I'm being open and honest, but it is what it is. And I'm like, Lord, when does this end? <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you when it ends. There's a little secret. It ends when Christ returns. And that's the day I look forward to, don't you? We don't have to deal with this anymore. We don't have to deal with the pains, the hurts, the sickness, the sadness, the funerals like I went to this weekend. We're done with that. We're done with the sin, most importantly. We're done. That day is coming when God will wipe that last tear away. And I am so looking forward to that. But we're not done. Listen to what he's saying. You've not yet gone through what these brethren went through. What these other men and women of faith went through. They gave their lives for it. You're not there yet. So what's he saying? He says you're... Um, let me just read it again. You've, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. The word strive here literally means what it says. To fight, to resist, to... Get in a, you ever get in a, a wrestling match or something when you were younger? I don't know if you, girls maybe not, but us guys did. And you'd resist and you'd struggle and you'd fight against it. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do. <laughs> Never have we been promised as a Christian that that temptation will go away. That, that we will not have temptations. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. We have a God who is faithful, just like He was in these guys, these folks' lives. He's faithful today. And He will not allow us to be tempted above that which we can bear. Or that we will be able to bear it. He'll, he will help us in a way that will at least allow us to be able to bear it. <laughs> You see, we're called to deal with it. And we're called to struggle with it. But we're not called to give up. I've had times in my life I wanted to give up. Have you ever felt that way? I know close friends and people and acquaintances and family members of my own life that have given up. It's tough. It's tough. It hurts us, right? We're saddened because of that. Life at times is tough. It just is. We're going to go through some tough things. It could be anything. It could be from finances to death to just sicknesses of what we're dealing with. Some of your own members are dealing with some of that right now. Some of ours are too. Let me tell you what we're not called to do. We are not called as believers in a God that's bigger than any other God, right? Little G God. 
Our God is mighty. He is powerful. He is faithful. He will do for us what we can't do for ourselves. He will provide a way for us that we can escape the temptations. That's what He promises. Where's your faith? Do you have faith like Abel? Do you have faith like Abraham? Like Moses? Like Jacob? Like Rahab? Like all of these people that were mentioned that we just read about? And many others that he didn't even take the time to mention. Where's your faith like that? You're going to give up? These folks didn't. You need to read this more often. <laughs> I'm going to encourage you to. Read Hebrews 11. Read it over and over again. Get to studying these folks' lives and how they walked by faith. And they didn't give up. And we're not called to give up. <laughs> we're not. In fact, we're called to give our life for it if that's what's called for. Resist the temptation all the way to giving your blood for it. Shedding blood. Just like Christ did on the cross. That's why we look to Him. We have such love exhibited to us through Christ, the Father, Christ His Son, and the Holy Spirit today that lives within us to empower us and to motivate us and hold us accountable and to help us in this walk to be everything that we need to be. Yet sometimes we don't take <laughs> what's right in our hands to take to have the strength to overcome some of these things. We let things get to us and we succumb to it. Brothers and sisters, friends, I want to encourage you. Trust in God. Put your faith in God who did mighty things for these people that we just read about, who walked before them. Moses didn't split the Red Seas. God did. Don't miss that. All of these guys, these mighty things, Moses didn't lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. God did. <laughs> and it's the same God today that will work in our lives to bring about good when it's said and done. A land that we know is promised to us, that is to come. Such a compassionate God who looks down on the plight of man from the beginning of time to now and sees my words come weak sometimes but I'm going to tell you to see the pitiful state of man we think we're something don't we we're mighty we're powerful we can go to the moon we can go to Mars <laughs> we're powerful we just you know I think a tower of the tower of Babel <laughs> you know we just think that we are but let me tell you something the further away we get away from God, the less, less we're able to enjoy, for lack of better terms, His protection and His grace. We need to stay under the umbrella of His grace and love that He has for us. He has loved you. You. I want you to think about it individually, of what Christ did for you. You don't like to think about it, I know, but think about all your sins. Think about the sins that you know you've committed. 
and likely to commit more. And you think about a God who looks at you, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's amazing. Why would he do that? Let me tell you something. It's not about us. It's not about what we do or accomplish in this life. I mean, we need to do and accomplish things in this life. That's not the point. But it's not about that. It's about what he did at the cross for us. In our lives, our very works, activities, things that we are involved in need to be motivated because of what he has done for us. Period. He loves you. He gave himself for you. Why would you go on denying him? Trying to live and navigate through this life without him. He's given us such promises, such, such things to endure for. If you're not a Christian today, I want to encourage you to begin that walk today. <laughs> I, I can tell you it's the greatest decision I ever made in my life. And there have continually been other decisions I've made in my life that have been great because I've trust God through those decisions. Our faith needs to be in Him, not in ourselves. And if you're not one of His children, you're refusing, you're walking away from the very blessings that He wants to bestow upon you. And ultimately, and most importantly, eternal life. The same thing that Abraham and Moses and all of them were looking forward to is the same thing we look back to. It's the cross of Calvary. If we can assist you this morning in that walk, uh, we have lots of brothers and sisters here that will wrap their arms around you and love you and care for you and assist you in that walk and help you any way that they can. If we can help you, we're going to stand and sing a song. Come forward and we'll pray with you or let your needs be known. We'll pray with you or do anything that we can to help you. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.